فعن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إن الله تجاوز لي عن عمتي الخطأ والنسيان وما استكره عليه حديث حسن رواه ابن ماجه والبيهقي وغيرهما الحمد لله Brothers and sisters, we're continuing with these 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi rahimahullah. And as we previously mentioned, um, the hadith that are gathered in this compilation, they, uh, they discuss the fundamental principles of the deen. So that if any one of these you know, hadith, any one of these principles you take, this shows and it indicates to something very, very important and very fundamental in the religion. You can even say that it is a, a main theme in Islam. It is a main subject, it is a main theme, it is one of the teachings of Islam. So for example, any of these chapters, if you open, you can say that this is what Islam teaches. This is a fundamental principle in the religion. This is what Islam conveys, this is what Islam portrays. And just wanted to go on a side note in regards to like what Islam portrays. You know, there's usually happenings that go on, incidents that happen. So far, two or three killings have happened, attacks have, have, have happened on people. And then one way or the other, people find a way to link it to Islam. In some instances, you know, there is, there might be a relation. But my point here is, is that the what, what, what many a times is being portrayed does not do justice, does not show what the reality of this deen is. And if a person, and, and, and this is in any aspect, we as Muslims, we also fall victim to doing the same generalizations. We, do, we, we generalize our own people. We generalize other people. We generalize other religions. That you as a Muslim, how much have you actually read your own religion? And my question to you is, how much have you read the religion and understood somebody else's standpoint? Generalization, we all do it. This is not something like, you know the way that you feel when somebody acts Islamophobic? Oh, you're all, they're all out to kill us. This is just, a, this is like very common. Go and, you know, maybe in certain rural, rural areas, you may go and ask, you know, what do you think about Muslims coming in this country? Where do you think this Muslim ban came? It was used as a tool to get more votes. And it, 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 it worked. Why did it work? Because the Islamophobia machine is a multi-billion dollar corporation that's doing all this work and even we are affected by it, believe it or not. That's why people bought it. That's why people wanted to give votes to the person who's going to do the Muslim ban. They're all out here to kill us. That's the general mentality. But why does a person, how does a person fall into that? How does a person get sucked into that? You know how you get sucked into that? Hearsay. We get sucked into these kind of generalizations. We generalize about everything. How much of the judgments do we make about others, is it really out of knowledge and out of meeting an individual? Believe it or not, there's um, an elder in our community, a scholar in our community. Uh, many of you know Sheikh Dr. Khalid Siddiqui. Dr. Khalid Siddiqui had introduction to Islam class in Ohlone College. 
He had this for over 20 years. And one of the requirements of this introduction to Islam class was this, that you have to study these particular texts, these introductory books, excerpts from the Quran, statements of the Prophet Muhammad, history about Islam directly, and then look at this. You have to go and interview a Muslim or interview an Imam. In order to pass the class, you have to do that interview, which is very difficult for a lot of people. But you know, when you gotta take a college class and you have to pass it, you'll do anything. So I've literally, in that 20 years, Dr. Khalid Siddiqui had given my number to many of his college students, and they would come and I would do an interview. I tell you, when these people would come in, many of them non-Muslims, some of them Muslims, they were comfortable, but even some of the Muslims were not comfortable. I'm telling you, it's ajib. I tell you my experience. And I, don't, don't forget what we're talking about, about how we generalize without actually learning Islam, without actually sitting with a imam, without actually sitting with a hafiz or an imam or an alim or going out with the people or truly you know, mixing or intermingling and coming to know of a people. We generalize, we do. We as Muslims, we're very scared of the beard. We are Muslims, if we see a niqab, a negative connotation comes in our mind, automatically. This is working upon the Muslim community as well. We get a little bit scared. Oh, if this guy's beard is a little bit long and his shalwar is a little bit high, danger zone. If this, this sister, she's wearing niqab, danger zone, right? Like there's, who, who told you to hate yourself? I love the speech of Malcolm X. Have you guys heard that speech of Malcolm X? Who told you to hate yourself? Who said that your lips and your skin color is ugly? Who told you that? Why you hate yourself? Because they told you. You bought into that. You hate your own self. You fell into it. You bought into it. You fell into that Islamophobia. You did, yes. Me and you, victim number one. You know? Maybe you know, a guy looking like me sits next to me. I get scared. Wait a minute. Well, I look the same like he does. What's going on here? Like, why am I getting so scared? <laughs> you know, it's this victimization. You generalize. I generalize. We don't sit with people. We don't talk to people. We don't mix with people. Have you, many of these people who, you know, have you been to a church before? Is it haram to see a church? Do you, do you hear what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not... It, people who don't know their own religion, you shouldn't be like walking around attending church meetings. You see what I'm saying? You don't know your own deen. But my point is, is like, where does that generalization come from? How do you, how do you have a true understanding of something? Somebody might ask you, how do you know Islam is true? And how do you know Christianity is, is false? How? Oh, I, I, I just know. I just, I just know because my parents, was, I, just, I just know. Okay, you just know, wonderful. That's, that's not really a proof, that's not an evidence. You see, we even generalize. My point is this book and this book of hadith and the Quran, mashallah, we, we teach Quran and hadith. We teach Quran and hadith. Thursday nights, we have a tafsir class which teach Quran. Some of the most controversial verses of the Quran, we've talked about it, controversial. Which one? The one they always ask you about. Kill them wherever you find them. Yes, that's in the Quran. They ask you about it. You're like, huh? That's in the Quran? It is? 
Oh my God. Yes, that is, that is in the Quran. Do you know what's in the Bible? There's much, much more dangerous things in the Bible that a lot of people don't know about. Why are you, let, let's talk about the Bible before we go to the Quran. Right? Kings and Deuteronomy and you know, all these other chapters where it talks about kill every man, woman, and child and everything living, everything that, that moves, kill it. And those of them who are alive, take them as slaves. This is a biblical, this is in the Bible. Kill everything that is moving in the town. Man, woman, and child. And those of them that survive or those of them who live, then take them as slaves. What is this? Is this a verse from the Bible? My point is, it's very, very easy to generalize, right? The objective of these classes, the objective of Thursday night is focusing on the Quran, that we actually learn our deen. We, we interact and we experience our deen, learn it from the direct source, question, ask questions about what is being read. And the hadith, the objective is, you know, getting a feel of what is the teachings of Islam. It is not in generalizations. It is not in, oh, but this is what my dad and my mom told me. Maybe what your dad and your mom told you is not right. How do you know it's right? How do you know it's true? Do you see my point? So this that's why the Prophet ﷺ, fundamental, طَلَبُ الْعِلْمِ فَرِيضَةٌ عَلَىٰ كُلِّ مُسْلِمْ Seeking knowledge is an obligation for every Muslim. So that you practice your deen and you believe in Allah with evidence, with proof, with understanding, not with generalization. Not picking up, you know, with, uh, you know, this is my, my dad's or my mother's inheritance. It's wonderful. Alhamdulillah. This is great. This is a great blessing that we're born in a Muslim household. But now the second step of your spiritual journey. We're all on a journey. The second step, the second stage of your spiritual journey, once you actually, mashallah, embrace your Islam, say, Alhamdulillah, I am Muslim. I make shukr that I came from Muslim parents. Or I make shukr that I converted to Islam later on in my life. Now the second stage is what? Your continuous journey of learning. Learn, learn your deen every day. I guarantee you, you will become closer to Allah. Knowledge makes you closer to Allah. Knowledge makes you a better Muslim. And ignorance makes you more distant from Allah. And ignorance makes you a worse Muslim. Knowledge makes you closer to Allah. Knowledge gives you confidence. Knowledge creates the love in your heart for your deen. And ignorance creates the gap. Ignorance creates confusion. Ignorance creates darkness. Ignorance creates doubt. And you know what? So many Muslims hate other Muslims. It starts with just a little bit hate. But then they've created a, a, a all these Muslims are bad. These Muslims, these Muslims, other people are better than us. Blah, 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 blah. And it, it, all this like doubts and hatred is boiling up in his mind. And what is this? You're making generalizations. You're judging the religion based on the actions of the few. What is this called? This is stereotyping. This is not knowledge. Muslims are doing that. This is how Muslims get dis disenfranchised from their own religion, where they leave the teachings. Yes, it's true. Muslims are the representative of the religion, but we're not prophets. Muhammad represents the religion. The Quran represents the religion. The kalam of Allah represents the religion. The prophets and the sahaba, radiallahu anhum, they represent the religion. We get the religion from that. 
Other human beings after them can make mistakes. Other human beings can falter. Now we see, oh, this guy, he's a namazi and, you know, he stole my $3 and he wasn't a good Uber driver. Khalas, I hate Islam. This is, this is what people are doing. These generalizations. So we need to connect ourselves to ilm in everything that you do. So I was telling you in the classes of Dr. Khalid Siddiqui, when these people would come to me, whether they were non-Muslim, first of all, they would be super nervous. And then after they would see that I'm not speaking, you know, Pashto uh, or Farsi to them, then they would get very happy. He said, okay, he at least knows English. And then when I'm actually explaining things to him on a more kind of sophisticated level, then they get drawn even closer. And then they forget about all the stereotypes or all the, the, the wrong, you know, understanding that he had from before. Then they actually leave so happy. And like, I'm so happy that I came to the masjid. I'm so happy that I met a Muslim. Because what did he do now? All of the stereotypes and all of the hearsay, now he actually has knowledge. Now he can judge the religion on real human experience, human interaction. The question is, have you ever met a Muslim? I hate Islam and Islam hates us. Oh, okay, like, did you ever meet a Muslim? No. Well, maybe that's your problem. Why you're thinking that way? Because you never met a Muslim in your life. You know, when these people met, like, oh, this is the best food in the world. You know, like, just like, oh, we eat this every day. It's, oh my God, this is like, what is this? This is fantastic. You know, you just invite him for a iftari, and then you see like completely zameen asman farq. Complete change. Because they, now it's not based upon hearsay. It's not based upon propaganda. It's based upon actual interaction. It's based upon true knowledge, experiential knowledge. So my dear brothers and sisters, a lot of us as Muslims, our experience as Muslims, our knowledge as Muslims, our belief as Muslims is what we have inherited from our forefathers. It is not based on sound knowledge. I'm sorry. 90% of us, it's based upon you know, my mom, my dad, my qawm, that's great. That's step number one. Appreciate that because that's a blessing. I'm not saying throw that away. I'm not saying disappreciate that. I'm saying appreciate that. That's a great blessing. For you to have a head start. You have a head start. For you to have a head start is a great blessing. But now what do you do? You got to continue on your journey. What is your journey? The next step is learn. And, I'm say, and, I, and I tell you, and I'm not saying this because it's here, wherever, inshallah, you can find it. I'm not calling people to come and sit and listen to me. I'm, I'm a khadim. I'm a student of knowledge. I'm increasing my knowledge and, you know, right? I'm going, you also come with me. We read together and learn together and increase together. But if you want to go somewhere else, I think Dr. Khalid Siddiqui has a tafsir and there's other dars hadith elsewhere, wherever you can find that. But every Thursday night, we have tafsir class where we're directly looking, what does the Qur'an say? I mean, look at as Muslims, do we ask ourselves, what does the Qur'an even say? What does this Qur'an even teach? Are they right? Are they true for what they're saying about us? So, the smart person will say, hey, wait a minute, and this is what a lot of thousands of Americans do this. Islam hates us, you know? Oh, Muslims want to kill everybody. Okay, so, wait a minute, is this the, let me go see what the Muslim, what's the Muslim book? And then they just Google it. And many thousands of non-Muslims have become Muslim like this. 
Let me just see what is all this propaganda that they're saying. Is this even true? Let me just read the book. Let me just read what the Quran has to say. Let me just read what the Hadith has to say. And lo and behold, they say, wait a minute, this is not what Islam is about. You also, as a Muslim, need to do the same thing. You need to compare, okay, all this stuff. I mean, a lot of the stuff that we grew up with, culturally, from the Indo-Pak community, from back home, from whatever it might be, we think that certain things is part of Islam, but it's not actually part of some traditional things that have been mixed together. We have to be able to study. The more we increase our knowledge, the more we, will the more we become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is why the Prophet said, مَنْ سَلَكَ طَرِيقًا يَلْتَمِسُ فِيهِ عِلْمًا سَهَّلَ اللَّهُ بِهِ طَرِيقًا إِلَى الْجَنَّةِ The one who treads a path to seek knowledge, Allah makes His way easy to Jannah. Why? It's because when you, when you gain knowledge, everything opens up. It becomes easier for you to worship Allah. It becomes easier for you to do good. It becomes easier for you to follow Sayyidina Muhammad Otherwise, everything is hearsay and you're working trial and error. Trial and error. Some things you do good, a thousand things you do wrong. You're praying, even in the namaz you're praying, one thing you're doing right, ten things you're doing wrong. Probably 15, 20, 30 years that namaz that's being prayed without knowledge. The namaz that is being prayed without knowledge. The salah that is being prayed without ilm. What happens? That salat probably has maybe a hundred mistakes in it. You're worshipping God, but you're worshipping God mistakenly. Trial and error. This is not the way you should be practicing your religion. If the way we drive, if the way we drive would be the way we practice our religion, yeah, I've been seeing my dad drive my whole, my whole life, you know, so I, obviously I know how to drive. Do you see what I'm saying? And then you just drive, no license, no. There has to be a program. There has to be a system for everybody. You know, in, in, in Christianity, they have baptism. You know, they baptize you. Or they, and they, and when they become 16, they have like this thing in the Catholic religion. They have this thing. You know, so my point is, as, as Muslims... We don't need those things, right? Those things are superfluous. Those things are unnecessary. But we should have milestones. We should set milestones for ourselves. I must read the Quran before I pass away from this world. I have this, I have this goal in my life that I have to re read the Quran from cover to cover. As a Muslim, every Muslim has to read the Quran. I have to read the ahadith of Riyadh al-Salihin, for example. This book, Riyadh al-Salihin, I have to read this book. This book, the quran -i karim as a Muslim, I have to read this book. My questions about the Quran have to be answered. These questions that I have, and I will get, I will get, these are the milestones that we should have. Set milestones for yourself. Number one, I have to know how to recite the Quran, and I have to be able to read the Quran, and also know the, yani, read the meaning of it. You don't, it's not required for you to be a professor of Arabic. I'm talking about be able to do a guided reading of the Quran, and we do that. You don't have to sit there and do it on your own. This is what we're here for. This is the objective of Thursday class. In hadith, the words of the Prophet. What did our Prophet come and teach? Is he all of those things that people say about him? Come and hear it from the source. Why do we allow other people to tell us who we are? You, as a Muslim, you are this. 
you are this, you are this. This is what I tell you what you are. You don't know who I am. I know who I am. I'm a Muslim. This is, not what, this, is what, this is what you are saying. These are allegations and accusations, but this is not our identity. This is not what we identify as, as a community. We are the ones who say who we are based upon our knowledge, based upon the teachings of our religion. So my dear brothers and sisters, this is important. On your journey, knowledge is Knowledge is your, is your petrol. Knowledge is your petrol. Knowledge is your gas. It's your gasoline. It's what makes your car move. The more you have, the more you will go further in your destination. Otherwise, you're running on fumes, bro. You're going to break down on the side of the road and you got a perfect car. Yes, you are a Muslim. Nobody's saying you're not a Muslim. The car that doesn't have gas inside of it, it's a perfect car. Brand new. You probably just got it from the lot. 2022 model, but no gas. It's a beautiful car parked right on the side of the freeway. It's not going nowhere. And I'm telling you as a Muslim, when you don't got the gas of knowledge, you're just parked, you're not going nowhere. You're stationary, you're just stuck. There was a brother this morning, he said, you know, something about an Arabic class. He says, I'm taking these classes and I've also started taking an Arabic class so I can come to know the Quran. I said, why are you asking? Nurun ala nur. This is so good. So many things we do, brothers and sisters. If we spend one hour a day, forget one hour, I give you a discount. Half an hour a day. Hafsam, how many huruf is there in the Arabic? Like 27 huruf? 29 huruf. 29 huruf. 29 huruf in the Arabic language. Listen to me. I don't know Arabic. But there's 29 letters in the Arabic language. In one month, you can learn how to read the Quran. 29 in one month. One letter. And actually, sooner than a month. You know why? Because some of the letters, they're very similar. And some of them don't even require ba, ba, ba. What is ba? And then you have other letters like, you know, um, you, know you have, uh, uh, you know, uh, Letters that are similar to one another, you know, like qaf, kaf, right? Some of them are, so it's like killing two birds with one stone, right? You have a and ain. Some of them are very, very similar. Tha and seen. And some of them don't even require any lam, noon, l, and n. These, wow, lam, mim, noon, wow. These don't even, the last five, six huruf don't even require any effort. La, mim, nun, wow. So subtract that. Less than a month. Do not let this, you know, intimidate you. That this is oh, so difficult to learn. It's very easy. 29 letters. And some of them are very, very easy. You cut that. Even in less than a month, you can learn the huruf correctly and be able to read the Arabic. I'm not saying you're going to be a professor of Arabic language. That's not what I'm saying is to be able to read the huruf of the Quran. My dear brothers and sisters, the recitation of the Qur'an is a purification of the heart. Do not think this to be like any book. This is a very, very different book. This is a very, very special book. That it is a book that when you read it, every letter that you recite, you get 10 ajrs and 10 rewards for each letter. And as you're reciting it, it is purifying your heart. As you are reciting it, it is increasing light in your heart. 
as you're reciting it, it is, it, it is dispelling your doubts and darknesses from inside of you. So don't think this to be any. Your reciting of the Quran is a worship and devotion. When you're reciting the Quran, you are actually speaking to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in munajat to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you recite the Quran. So my dear brothers and sisters, these are milestones, yani goals. I have to learn how to recite the Quran in Arabic. I have seen converts to Islam that their forefathers in no way, shape or form had anything to do with Islam. Hindu. Do you know what I mean by Hindu? Hindu meaning that they have no connection with the Arabic language. Like some, some people in Afghanistan and some people like in, in uh, certain areas, they have like Arab forefathers. Okay, he has it. I'm talking about South Indian Hindu, where for millions of you know, generations, they didn't have, neither is their language, their language is not even like Urdu. You know Urdu, it has Arabic words in it. It has Farsi words in it. But I know people who Urdu is not even their language from South India. Pure Hindu background for generations. Their language is like Telugu and their Hindu language is Sanskrit. But they're Hafiz of Quran today. Hafiz of Quran today. So my point is, this is, this is a ongoing journey. Right. A lot of us, you know, in the rhetoric out there, you know, in Islam, in the different uh, circles that we sit in, there's a lot of talk about a lot of things, but people don't talk about the basics. You're sitting there, you brought a brand new car, I tell you, you can talk about everything about the car, if you don't put gas in the car, the car ain't going nowhere. Then your knowledge that you gain, this is your gasoline. This is what makes your deen move. Without knowledge, you will not be able to understand. And without knowledge, you will not be able to practice. What are you going to practice on when you don't know what to do? Or you're doing wrong, or your knowledge is wrong about something. So with that being said, every hadith from this kitab is a fundamental principle and theme of the religion. Today we are in hadith number 39. Ibn Abbas radiallahu anhum narrates that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa said, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has overlooked for, for my ummah the mistakes and the forgetfulness and that which they have been compelled. These three things Allah ta'ala has overlooked for my ummah. Mistake and forgetfulness and that which they have been compelled or forced. What do we understand from this hadith? And there is no sin upon you. Surah Al-Ahzab, ayat number 5. And there is no harm, there is no sin, there is no blame upon you in that which you make a mistake. This shows the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we say Allah ta'ala is merciful and Allah is forgiving, what do we mean by that? Meaning that any mistakes that we make in trying to do the right thing. Right now I just said something like, if a person is praying his prayers and he's making a mistake, then you know he's praying his prayers with mistake and so on. Remember here the beauty of the mercy of Allah ta'ala is what? That Allah ta'ala forgoes the mistakes of his ummah. 
Allah does not take you into account for something where, and what is khata? The word khata in Arabic means you are trying to do something right, but in the right you are making a khata. You're making a mistake. Yani your intention is right, but then you do something that is the other way. So for example, another khata is I'm aiming for a deer, I'm hunting, I'm aiming for a deer, but then I shot a person. This is khata. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has removed any sin or any accountability when it comes to khata. Now, in regards to something like this, where uh, you know, somebody is killed unjustly, then the rules of the sharia will be like, you, know, you will give uh, uh, blood money, or you have to make up for the damages that was done. For example, you accidentally bumped a person's car, you break a person's car, right? The, the sin is not upon you, but obviously you have to pay for the damages. You understand what I'm saying? But here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa is mentioning this very, very beautiful usul. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not take into account any mistake or another point, forgetfulness. If somebody does something out of forgetfulness, Allah ta'ala does not take him into account. This is not considered a sin. Just as like a person is fasting. A person is fasting and they see there's water and they take a drink of water forgetfully. They don't even know that they're fasting. The sin, there is no sin upon this person. Right? Now in fasting, there's a difference between khata and nisyan. Both of them is forgiven, as we know the hadith says. But one has to be made up and the other one doesn't have to be made up. So for example, I'm making wudu, I'm fully conscious, I'm fully conscious of my fast. And then I'm gargling water, which you shouldn't gargle water when you're fasting. I'm gargling, and knowing, I know that I'm fasting, and then out of khata, out of mistake, I swallow. This breaks my fast. There is no sin, but I still have to make it up. Yani, the implications of it will still come upon me. Why? Because I am conscious. Opposite to a person who is fasting, and he's not even aware that he's fasting. He's completely forgot. And then he's like, oh man, today's a hot day. And there's water in front of him. And he starts drinking it. He is not conscious of the state of fast. He forgets that he's fasting. This fast, he doesn't have to make it up. You see the difference between khata and nisyan. Khata is, khata is you are conscious of your state. You are trying to do something, but something else happens. In fasting and in ahkam, the hukum is that it has to be made up. But nisyan is, you're not even aware of your, of your state of fasting. In that where you're not even aware, then in the state of nisyan, you are not held accountable shara'an, you don't even have to make that up. As the Prophet ﷺ said, that that person, Allah gave him drink and Allah gave him food. Allah had given him drink and Allah had given him food. In a state where he was not aware. And the Prophet ﷺ actually commanded, he said, continue you will then continue your fast because you were not aware. It was completely oblivious. You did that. You were not intending fasting at that moment because you forgot. You see what I'm saying? And that which you are compelled. That which you are compelled. The example of this, may Allah protect us, like a person. A person is compelled to say words of kufr. Some people force you and they tie you 
Like may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala deliver our brothers and sisters, our Uyghur brothers and sisters in East Turkmenistan who are going through so much suffering right now. May Allah ta'ala preserve them. May Allah deliver them. May Allah destroy the enemies of Islam and the oppressors and the persecutors. But let's just say like they are being forced to eat pork. Na'udhu billah. They are being forced to say words of kufr. They are being forced to read like the Chinese anthem and all these other types of things, there is no sin. Allah has lifted it for them. Actually, Allah Ta'ala is rewarding them and Allah is elevating them. وَقَلْبُهُ مُطْمَئِنٌ بِالْإِيمَانِ And his heart inside is مُطْمَئِنِ iman. He is just saying it in order to preserve his life. Allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta'ala has forgiven that. And another example of this from the Sunnah is, and this ayah was revealed about Ammar bin Yasir radiyallahu anhu. Ammar bin Yasir was from the Muhajireen, from the Muhajireen al-Awwaleen. And he saw his parents, Yasir radiallahu anhu and Sumayya radiallahu anha was the first shaheeds of Islam. He saw them being tortured in front of him. And the kuffar were making him say words of kufr. And he said it and he came to Rasulullah and he was crying. He was crying and he was finished. And he said, Ya Rasulullah, I destroyed myself. He said, what happened? He said, they said this to me. And they forced me to say kufr. And he said that I said it. Then, uh, and then Rasulullah he said, How did you find your heart? Oh, Ammar, how did you find your heart? He said, Ya Rasulullah, mutma'innum bil iman. My heart was filled with iman. He said, Then if they say it to you again, you say what you said again. Don't worry. As long as your heart is mutma'in bil iman, if they say it to you again, you say the same thing to them again. Allah, Allah has given you a very high maqam. Allahu Akbar. So we see the beauty of this subhanallah, the beauty of these words of Rasulullah sallallahu the mercy of Allah azza wa that he knows the condition of human beings. And a lot of times brothers and sisters, we think like Allah ta'ala demands of us like what he demands from his malaika and his angels. No, Allah ta'ala knows that we are weak. Allah knows we make mistake. Allah knows that we forget. And Allah knows that we will be in certain situations where we will be compelled. When Allah ta'ala talks about the haram foods, and then, Allah Ta'ala has made haram, blood, and carrion, and the dead animals, and pig, and swine, and that animal that has been sacrificed for idols. Then he says, but the one who is in a state of compulsion, he has no choice, there is nothing else. Allah knows we will be sometimes in halatul ittirar. We'll be in a, 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 a situation, we're compelled. You're not trying to rebel against Allah. And you're not trying to overstep your limits. That okay, you know, if I can now eat pork, then I'm going to eat a whole, you know, eat a whole pig. No, I'm just going to eat whatever that is just, what, so I don't die. I'm just doing it to survive. You're not doing it, a rebel, and you're not doing it to transgress the limits, to go beyond the limit. Verily, Allah Ta'ala is forgiving and merciful for this person. So we see this beautiful, mashallah, principle in a religion. What are we left with here in this 
in this principle. What is the principle? Is that Allah Ta'ala has overlooked the mistakes and the forgetfulness and that which we are compelled. In relation to this, and I will end with this, this ayat of the Quran was revealed from Surah Al-Baqarah, ayat number 284. And to Allah belongs all that is in the heavens and the earth. And if everything in the heavens and the earth belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah can make tasarruf of his creation in any way that he wants. Allah can deal with his creation any want. If he wants to throw everybody in hellfire, this is the aqidah of Ahlus Sunnah. This is Allah's property. Lillahi ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard. If Allah wants to throw everyone in the hellfire, then he can do that and nobody can say anything to him. La yus'al wa yaf'al wa hum yus'alun. He will not be asked of what he does, but we will be asked. And if Allah throws everybody into Jannah, then that is what he wills and nobody can question him about that. So here in this ayah, in tubudu lillahi ma fis samawati wa ma fil ard. To Allah belongs all that is in the heavens and the earth. It's his property. He does with us whatever he, whatever he wants. We have no haq to complain. Now, وَإِن تُبْدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ يُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ If you manifest that which is in your heart, or you hide that which is in your heart, Allah will take you into account. What does this mean? When a thought comes in your mind, a thought that is evil, a thought that is bad, it comes in your mind. Whether you say that to somebody or whether you put that bad thought into your words or into your actions, Allah will take you into account. Allah forgives who He wills and Allah has, will punish who He wills. And Allah is capable of all things. When this ayah was revealed, the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, you said to pray salah, we prayed salah. You said to do, give zakat, we give zakat. You said to do jihad, we did jihad. But this one is really hard. This is very difficult. You mean to tell us that Allah is going to take account. He says, we have been now made responsible for something that we cannot bear. How? If some thought comes in my mind, I have no control over that. Will Allah take me into account for that? One of us, a thought comes in his mind that he does not like. And he does not want that to be in his heart, even if, the, you, know, if you were given the whole world, he wouldn't, he wouldn't mention it. But it comes. So the Prophet said to them, فَلَعَلَّكُمْ تَقُولُونَ كَمَا قَالَتْ بَنُوا إِسْرَائِيلِ سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا كُولُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا He says, perhaps you are saying like Bani Israel said, we heard and we disobey. Is that what you're saying? You heard and you disobey? Rather say, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا We heard and we obey. So the Sahaba said, Ya Rasulullah, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا Yes. If whatever Allah has given, whatever judgment Allah wants to make, if Allah wants to punish us, if Allah wants to reward us, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا We believe, even though this is the hardest thing, harder than salat, harder than zakat, harder than jihad, is that Allah says, I'm going to take you into account for even 
the thoughts that go in your mind. Okay, we accept that. But this was a test. Allah is never going to make something, put a burden on someone that someone cannot bear. This was a test upon them. So what did they say? Sami'na wa ata'na. Ghufranaka. Rabbana wa ilayka al-masir. We've heard and we have obeyed. Forgive us, O our Lord. Forgive us. To you is our return. And you are the most merciful. You are the most forgiving. So when they said this, subhanallah, Allah revealed these verses. Allah, the messenger of Allah believes in everything that Allah revealed. And also the believers, they believe. Yani they don't say, oh, we don't believe in this ayah. This ayah is too hard. All of them believe in the angels, the books, the prophets. We do not differentiate between the message of any of the messengers. Look at what Allah Ta'ala is saying. Allah brings the words of the Sahaba in the Quran, praising them. They said, we heard and we obeyed. Oh Allah, forgive us. To you is our return. You are our Lord. Now look at what the ayat says. Don't worry, I will not take you into account. Allah will not put a burden upon you except that which you can bear. You will get what you earn. And against you will be what you earn. Meaning, kasp. Not thought. Meaning whatever you do, if a thought comes in your mind, you will not be punished for the thought unless you do it. You will not be punished for the thought unless you say it. So until it does not come into action, then Allah will not take you into account. So you can get a million thoughts in the same day. What did we say in the previous hadith? When you get a thought of a sin and you don't do it, Allah writes for you a good deed. Allahu Akbar. When you have a thought of a sin, Right? Because this says Allah will take you into account. But if you have the thought of a sin, look at the mercy of Allah. And you don't do it, Allah will write for you one good deed. Oh Allah Ta'ala, do not take us into account if we make a mistake or if we forget. Do not put such a burden upon us as you put upon the people before us, Bani Israel. Oh Allah, do not put a burden upon us that we cannot bear. We have no taqat upon it. Forgive us and have mercy upon us and pardon us. You are our master, so... Right? Save us, O oh Allah, and assist us against the disbelieving nation. And we see in this beautiful, beautiful uh, ayat of the Quran that teaches us what? That teaches us essentially, That was the ayah, and this is the hadith. Allah has lifted from my ummah the mistakes and the forgetfulness and that which they have been compelled. And even if a person has done it intentionally, then also there is a way out of it, and that is tawbah. Subhanallah. Allah Ta'ala says, asrafu ala anfusihim. This is for those people who didn't intend sin. But what about those people who intentionally did sin? 
They intentionally committed nifaq. They intentionally committed evil. What about them? Say to my slaves, my slaves, they are mine. They are special to me. They are still mine. Even though they are sinners, they are still my slaves. Tell them, O Muhammad those who have wronged themselves, they've transgressed the limits in committing sins. They've transgressed the limits in committing sins. Do not become hopeless of the mercy of Allah. Allah forgives all sins. Allah is the forgiving and merciful. Look at the beautiful deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. How complete is this deen? That if you, as a human being, how can you not tread? How can they? My Shaykh Rahmatullah Hazrat Mawlana Shah Hakim Muhammad Akhtar Rahimahullah used to say, he says, Allah Ta'ala ke raaste mein koi mayusi ki cheez nahi hai. Allah ke raaste mein mayusi ki baat bhi nahi hai. There is no such thing as mayusi in the path of Allah Ta'ala. Hopelessness, despair. There is no such thing as hopelessness and despair on the path, of, path to Allah. The only thing in the path to Allah Ta'ala is as long as you're on the path to Allah Ta'ala, Allah Ta'ala is forgiving and merciful. Understand that. As long as you turn back to Him in tawbah and in forgiveness, Allah Ta'ala will forgive. May Allah give us a tawfiq to understand what has been said.